Mel. And Kel. And this is It's Called Culture. Ever heard of it? It's called I Volunteer as Tribute. Ever heard of it? <laughs> You've watched The Hunger Games, right? <laughs> Actually, I have not. What? <laughs> I have not. I know. I probably am the only person that has it, and I have not read the books either. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> what? This is a shocking revelation to me. So when you said ever heard of it, the answer for you is no, you have not ever heard of it. <laughs> But the reason that I said that was because this topic today, Azores settlement, initial colonization and settlement of the Azores, every time I think about that concept, the question that goes through my mind is, who would volunteer for that? Mm. Yeah. Who would volunteer to be like, I'll go. I'll be the one that goes to the uninhabited island and has to make a life for myself. This is not CBS a survivor. This is real life. You don't get them a medic to come in if you have an issue. You are stranded. You're indefinitely. Off. <laughs> so I have been very curious as to who settled? What was initial settlement like? How did they do it? What was this even all about? And then I got my grubby little hands on a book. And I'm going to read you the title of this book because... It's a very big book. <laughs> it is a very big book. And apparently in 1886, we also liked very big titles for books. So the title is The Azores or Western Islands, a political, commercial, and geographical account containing what is historically known of these islands and descriptive of their scenery, inhabitants, and natural production, having special reference to the eastern group consisting of St. Michael and St. Mary, the Formigas and Dalabre Rocks, including suggestions to travelers and invalids who may resort to the archipelago in search of health, with maps and illustrations by Walter Frederick Walker. So how do you just narrow that down <laughs> to a simple title? <laughs> How it could have searched that on Amazon. It could have just been the Azores period by Walter Frederick Walker. Right. Or the settlement of the Azores. <laughs> <laughs> the history of the Azores. <laughs> so again, this was 1886. So and keep why that in your mind. And why Fermigish? <laughs> Fermigish is like the name. There's like Dance. some islands. Oh yeah. Called the Fremigas. Yes, 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 yes. Okay. Because they look okay, like little it's... ants. They're uninhabited. They're like yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. Separate from the random. Azores. Yes. yes. Gotcha. My guy Walter, right? Is that his name? Mm-hmm. My guy Walter. I think he's British. Like, what business does he have writing about the Azores? Nobody knows, but we're gonna dig in because there was a lot of interesting stuff in this. As we learned. As you learned and you told me, there's a big mixed of people. <laughs> so this was a 300 and a lot of page PDF. Mm -hmm. I skimmed some of it, but some there were some interesting chapters and then some chapters that we'll come to in later episodes. Yeah, that we want to actually really deep dive into it. Well, let's get into the settlement chapter of this book, which 
I guess Santa Maria was the first to be discovered. And it was this guy, Gonzalo Value Cabral. Mr. Cabral. <laughs> Where are you like, whoop, whoop, probably a relative? He's like my daddy. Like my daddy. <laughs> <laughs> okay. 1432, Santa Maria was discovered. And the book actually throws some shade on the Portuguese because it says, despite the Portuguese touting that they're like, you know, great world-class navigators... It took them 12 years to discover the existence of San Miguel Island from Santa Maria. And you can literally see them from each other. <laughs> well, you know, back in like 1432, you know, <laughs> they had no technology. Uh, you can see with your naked eye, with the naked eye, I could see Santa Maria <laughs> from San Miguel when I was standing there. So <laughs> the Portuguese also like to drink. Okay. <laughs> so... 12 years. So in 1444, Mr. Cabral gets his little boat over to San Miguel. He brought a few friends and some African slaves. He had taken these friends and the slaves for the purpose of testing the fertility of the soil there. So like they had discovered this island was there. We're going to make a little initial trip over to see what it's all about. And we're going to test the fertility of the soil, see if it's something that we can colonize. So they entered through Pouvoisson, which I think means like first settlement or something, like translated, if you translate yeah, that. It's first something, yeah. Pouvoisson, and that's like right next to my dad's village. It's the next village over. That was like the initial settlement area where he dropped his friends off and he was like, <laughs> see ya. I'll be back. I'll be back. You test out the fertility of the soil. You you plant some wheat and you see what happens. Like, I don't know what they were doing. Were they just harpooning for fish in the water to survive? I don't know what they were eating. He ditched them. Ah, shit. So he ghosted them. Ghosted. He returns four months later. Mm, they always come back. With a, a ship of people ready to go to colonize this island. He notices something different when he comes back four months later. So when he first kind of was embarking on this journey to the island for the first time, he noticed the geography. Very specifically, there was, you know, this long island and two mountain structures on either end of the island, just big mountain peaks. When he came back four months later, in September of 1444, only one peak was there. One peak was gone. Missing. Missing peak. <laughs> So he comes back to his friends like, hey, wasn't there two peaks on this island? What's going on? And they're like, oh, you're never going to believe. <laughs> you're never going to believe. Numdigish. <laughs> Numdigish. They tell him, you left us here. And the second your boat fucking turned around, this fucking mountain peak just started vomiting rocks into the air. And a big fire came out the top. And then it <laughs> collapsed into itself and it's gone. It's a fucking volcano at Satsidaj. Now it's a Lagoa. <laughs> Beautiful. I guess that's what happens with volcanoes when they erupt. They just use it for more land. <laughs> As they're having this conversation, the settlers that are on the boat, they're like, we're out. Like, we're good. We don't, I don't know about this island. Well, I'm here and here is not good. And Mr. Cabral was like, we're going to march forward. Semper France. We're going to go. 
We're gonna yeah. go. It doesn't matter about the mass destruction <laughs> you just witnessed. We're still gonna colonize this bitch. I'm surprised he didn't think he was just at the wrong island. Well, had his like, friends you know, not been there, had he not left his friends there, maybe. But like he he went back and it's to his amigos. Yeah, okay, so he knew that the right island. Yeah, you're right. They they're colonizing this island, so like they're bringing over everything. It's uninhabited. They're bringing over everything that they need. The people, the animals, everything that they need, the crops. It's some real Noah's Ark shit. (laughs) That's all I'm saying. It's some real Noah's Ark shit going on. On that boat, do you think there was two vakish, two two porks? (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) Male, female. (laughs) So they can reproduce. Two of all the animals. You bring them all up. There's a conze, a cadala. <laughs> Everything that is on that island was brought to that island. And that just blows my mind. I know. It really does. Because you don't think about that. We were born into already it being so established. Obviously, we weren't born there. We were born here. But like going out there and stuff, it's such an established place. So you don't think about who settled it. How did all this stuff get here? How did these village com- villages come about? It's not something you think about. I just saw something else about like biodiversity. So like I'm sure there was some native species of something or other on that island. Obviously the plant flora and the maybe like some insects. But it literally there was like a bar graph of like types of bugs. And then like over time and it was like two bugs at <laughs> the beginning. And then like now there's like however many hundreds of species of bugs. As it got settled. Oh, damn. I like it with it just the two bugs. I'll take it. <laughs> Who brought the mushkas? <laughs> when they said two of everything, <laughs> they needed to like amend that and then like minus the mushkas. The baratish could have stayed on the mainland. That's all I'm saying. We didn't, need, we didn't need the baratish. <laughs> oh. So there was, I guess, rumors, too, that still float around to this day, but that there were prior settlers to the Portuguese on this island. It was not inhabited at the time of Portuguese discovery, mm-hmm. but that, like, many years prior, it could have been inhabited by, like, Vikings or somebody else. Oh, that would be badass. Some people could have lived there. I love Vikings. But they were not still there. They clearly were just either wiped out by natural disaster or they were like, this place fucking sucks. Let's get out of here. (laughs) Man. Viking men. There's something else. (laughs) (laughs) So I think a lot of the reason that they think that is because of the stones. Whenever they see like big stones in weird situated in weird ways or like they had some there was some rumor that there was like some inscription inscriptions on stones or something yeah Yeah. that's what they used to kind of say i think there were inhabitants prior to the portuguese side note in my research of the algarve because i'm visiting soon i just saw something about like they uncover like dinosaur footprints in the fucking algarve oh that's awesome oh that's badass Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> like giant dinosaur. Fucking oh, footprints. I did not hear about this. It's awesome. 
and I don't know why, but and I know that's the mainland, and we're talking about the Azores settlement, but like just the thought of having true. like dinosaurs just like running around the, in the Azores, like before, long before the Portuguese settled it, is just kind of a a fun image. It's very Jurassic ah. Park like. Oh, so before I move on, the island that they found after São Miguel was Tercera. And it's literally called Tercera because it was the Tercera Island that they found, the third <laughs> island. <laughs> I just thought that was something that people needed to hear. <laughs> we're not about we're not about mystery our culture. It's just <laughs> they're not going to be there's not going to be like an inspiring story behind the name. <laughs> not us, not us as a culture. So some time goes on. They start to settle the island, make new settlements outside of Poisson, right? They they make this big settlement in Vila Franca. I guess it was kind of flat, sea level, nice big port, whatever. Good area for them to settle in. And they had this quote-unquote thriving camp there of 5,000 people in Vila Franca. And that was their like capital, if you will. Mm. That was That was the hub of the island. 1522 is the Villafranca earthquake. Massive earthquake. Basically, like, in the blink of an eye, you hear a boom and a rumble, and, like, this entire chunk of land just wipes out the entire village settlement. A tsunami tidal wave thing comes up out of the ocean, like, just mass destruction. Of the 5,000 people there, there were 70 survivors. Holy shit. That's so sad. And the destruction continued. As I was reading through this chapter in the book, it was one disaster after another. There were periods that were very disastrous. Like there'd be like an eight year period where there's like shit was erupting and there was volcanoes and earthquakes and like shit was just hitting the fan. I would think it would be like the end of the world. Yes. You know what I mean? We'll get into like who the original settlers were, but. There came a time in these 1500s where the slaves that they had imported to help them like settle this land started to outnumber the European population there. Mm -hmm. And the priests of the island said, all this disaster is because the heavens are angry at having a black population on the island. So disgusting. Supposedly, this book says that then there were massacres of basically black or Arab populations on the island. Wiped them out. Horrific. Like, I was just sick sick to my stomach when I read that in the book. The people that were on the island to begin with, like these original settlers that quote-unquote volunteered as tribute to come here, Mm -hmm. were like the poorest of the poor. Or people who were disgraced in their home mainland it was like an opportunity for them to be like i have nothing i am the poorest of the poor here in mainland portugal i have nothing to stay here for i might as well take this opportunity to go over to this new land whatever risk it carries it carries but i'll work my butt off i can maybe make something of myself be one of the first people there to gain land and gain an opportunity in this new spot right have a house for my family whatever they feel like they're not losing out on anything 
I'm sorry. We have to pause for a second because it looks like Crew wants to say something. <laughs> Cruz wants his dog <laughs> and he just pounced on Melissa and he's like literally at the microphone. <laughs> I, I have to take a picture. <laughs> this is all stated. Crew has some um some views on the Azorian settlement. <laughs> what would you like to say? Anything? <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. All right. Sorry, Tangent. Sorry, guys. He's adorable. <laughs> we'll post a picture. Cat got his tongue. <laughs> Could eat the knack, that face. Okay. So the people that were coming over, it wasn't people who were well off in Portugal. If you had good things going for you in the mainland, you weren't going to be like, you know what I'd really like to do? I'd really like to leave my house and established amenities behind. And I would love to just go bushwhack through the forest to create right, right. a new life for myself. These like, are the people that have nothing to lose, pretty much. They have nothing going on in the mainland. So they're like, hey, I might as well go try to figure out this new path in my life, maybe. Right. Or people who were kind of disgraced. Like if if all of a sudden you fell out of favor with the king or something to that effect, something happened and you were kind of like outcast from society on the mainland get on a boat you're going to the azores mm. so kind of almost like punishment like yes they were they would send people to prison i heard of people getting like imprisoned in the azores like that was like go do your time and now people are paying two grand to go out there <laughs> people are paying two grand a flight to go out there now <laughs> I know, but it's because all these people did all this hard work for us right. to establish this world and this land. Now we get to enjoy it almost. They had to start planting crops and figuring shit out, exporting things that they would grow. And I think oranges was a big thing for them initially. Apparently, like the orange trees that they would plant and they had... I don't know, something about the salty sea air in the <laughs> in and around the oranges gave them some unique flavors. I'm not sure. I wonder when like the pineapples came in existence. I'm, I'm sure, sure that was one of the initial things too, but they would plant stuff and then they would export it. And yeah. I think dyes was a big thing. And I think wheat, that's what they were banking on for some time. Imagine doing this and none of this is work. None of it works. You're doing all of this and nothing's happening. <laughs> nothing's growing. <laughs> well, Volcanoes, so I guess, you know what I mean? Like, I guess that's why they went to test the fertility of the soil first. This was very eye opening to me, too, because I don't know why, but like volcanic ash and like a volcanic soil to me sounds like it's fucking infertile as hell, but apparently, yeah, it's fertile as hell. Okay. Yeah, I, I guess, because it worked. Doesn't it seem like it would not be fertile? And how are they testing the soil? You fucking put some seeds <laughs> in there and you wait. <laughs> God damn. They're not taking yeah, it to guess. a laboratory. <laughs> they didn't order like a kit online? <laughs> no, they didn't Amazon a soil testing kit. They tested it and they said it was super fertile. And so that to me was like, oh, my God, all this time I thought that like I just have like a super brown thumb and that, oh, my God, my ancestors are just so amazing and they could just grow anything and like they're so good. But literally they have like the magic soil 
Like they, I think if I could just throw anything in there, it's going to grow. <laughs> so we need some volcano ash so we can play our stuff. Yes. There was sometimes that it would talk about these volcanic eruptions and how much ash would go into the air that it would cause like blackout conditions. That's insane. And just blacked out and everything's covered in ash. And like the amounts of ash, just to like fathom this, it was like, oh, it'd be anywhere from two feet to 17 feet deep of ash in certain places, like like snow drifts of ash. Oh my like God. And you're like inhaling that. It's like obviously not good for your respiratory system. No. They said that Tercera, so like during one of the times when a volcano erupted on San Miguel, the Atlantic winds, I don't know, bring the ash over and it was reaching Tercera for the entire year. It was raining ash in Tercera. And in Tercera's history, it's marked as like the year of the Cinza, the year of the ash. Yes. Oh, man, that's kind of like what happened to us this past summer with like the can- uh, Canada wildfires. While they were unfortunately going through that, we were getting the smoke yes. from the wildfires down towards us. Yes. Oh, my God. And like New York had it, too. Really bad. So picture a year straight like that. <sighs> I would die. You probably would die because <laughs> if you're breathing that in. <laughs> So, like, for instance, the oranges that I was talking about in this book, it would talk about all the methods that they would use to propagate and to make sure that their orange plants would fruit sooner. Because if you go from a seed, it takes a really long time to fruit. But if you already have one orange tree and you, like, cut off a branch and you do this special Mm. method of propagating that branch into the ground, then you'll get fruit faster. And they had all these crazy methods that I was reading and I was like oh my god I need to learn from this book from 1884 of how to (laughs) propagate an orange tree it was it was very wild and I'm like they know all these things they knew all these things and how to do this yeah and then somehow as time went on after America was settled and I think America Florida had orange trees from the Spanish colonization or settlement there But then this American came over with his oranges from Florida, his orange tree, and he brought it to San Miguel. And with it, he brought like some tree disease, some bug, some ailment of this orange tree unknowingly. And it like spread through all the crops and killed all the crop. Like all the orange trees were diseased because of it. And this is why (laughs) when you're at an airport... (laughs) And they yell at you to throw away your fruit <laughs> or you can't bring fruit over <laughs> or certain plants you can't bring over. <laughs> this is why, guys. <laughs> this is why customs has rules. <laughs> and what was this Florida guy doing? <laughs> like, what, 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 what business did he have in San Miguel? <laughs> why did he bring an orange tree? They already had orange trees. They don't need your freaking Florida navels. <laughs> I second that. So I don't know. I just can't imagine what life was like. Oh, agreed. Oh my god, it's like a such such a simple life. No technology, none <laughs> zero technology of any way. 
another thing that was talking about the crops and it was talking about corn and how corn mm. was such a major one for them. And it went through like the whole thing about the corn and what the corn was used for. It talks about the corn and the mattresses and all that stuff, right? The husks um, mm-hmm. in the mattresses. And it it specifically said something about the husks is like a bug repellent. Like the bugs don't get into it. It doesn't create bioorganisms and bugs in the husks of the corn. Because remember we asked about that? We're like, why is Yay. it not full of bugs and rotting yeah. in the mattress? And it talked about that in this book. But then it also talked about how corn or corn on the cob was like good for your teeth. And it was like how like how they clean their teeth, like by eating corn on the cob or something. Like it was like a, like a toothbrush. Like I was like, okay. Oh, that's fascinating. Yes. Like, all right. All right. I mean, like, you're going to get the little kernels stuck in between your teeth. But like maybe it's like the action of doing yeah. that is like a toothbrush. Kind of. Oh, my God. Wait, so did our parents not use that? well it was like kind of like they weren't using it to brush their teeth it was like their teeth were kind of getting brushed through the act of doing it unknowingly i love corn we're in corn season right now i'm I'm very excited to keep reading this book there's a lot of really fascinating stuff in there it starts talking about like superstitions and like it gets it gets into a lot of stuff money currency the language, the accent, language. everything, everything. Yeah. I think at one point, and I don't want to spoil this for our future episodes that we're going to get into all this stuff from the other chapters, but at one point it said that women would only leave the house on three occasions. <laughs> this is so fucked up. <laughs> to be baptized, to be married, and to be buried. It's so shitty. Sorry, what? I am a homebody, though. (laughs) So, I don't know. I might not hate it. Now we know why that Reddit post was talking about how the foreigner went to the Azores and all they saw was men hanging around on the corners and there were no women in sight. And they were like, where are all the women? They're inside. (laughs) If it it ain't. If it ain't their bethzod, if it ain't their cousin meant, <laughs> or their funeral, they're inside. Uh, just women got treated like crap all throughout history. <laughs> all right. So I'm going to leave you guys with one final story here quickly. And it's just that these settlers that went out there, like, I don't know how they divided up the land, right? Like, you get out there and you're just like, who owns all this land? How do you divide it? Who gets what? Like, I don't know what that whole system was like. Like maybe you work the land and then you own it. Everything was a handshake deal. Everything was verbal contracts. Like there was no paperwork shit, right? Nada. There was a lot in this book about like renting or leasing the land and money that you got paid to have people farm your land, a whole bunch of stuff, right? My dad to this day, he owns the house that he owns in the village. That's the house he grew up in. Him and his siblings still own that. They have paperwork for that. That's all official official status right but then you go down to the waterfront the little faja fijon like i call it the the fijon faja yeah. you go down there they have a little house that my grandfather built down there however when we ask my dad about the ownership of that he gets a little squirmy and you're like what? <laughs> What is going on? What's the situation? And like, if he wants to do work on that house, like he can't because he doesn't have paperwork for that. 
And I'm like, why don't you have paperwork for this? And he says, his grandfather, so my dad's grandfather, my great grandfather, owned a piece of land in that area. Mm-hmm. That land, for whatever reason, was not buildable for a house. He wanted to build a little, a little cabin cottage thing down there. He went to some neighboring property owner and said, you have all this land here. Can I do a little swapsy swapsy? I don't know. Handshakes deal. Can I have a little corner of your lot to build my house? Because I can't build on my own. Whatever. They did a little shakarooski. Uh, my great grandfather built the house with my grandfather on that plot. Is there paperwork that says we carved out this section <laughs> of our property so that you could build this house on it? No. So unlike the books, this house that my dad says he owns is on some other guy's property. This other guy has paperwork <laughs> for his property. And my grandfather just happens to have a house that sits on the corner of it. <laughs> <laughs> and so both guys who were involved in the handshake agreement are no longer with us in this world. Okay. They yeah. pass on. And so I keep telling my dad, I'm like, so dad, like, he's like, oh, I got to sort that out next time I go out there. I'm like, well, you were just out there two weeks ago. So why didn't you just do it while you were there? It's always the next time I go out. I got to sort that out. Right. They don't want to deal with it. You were just there. Yeah. Why did you not sort it out? Why are you saying the next time I go, I'm going to sort it out? And I said, dad, how are you going to sort this out? You're going to go to city hall because it's poof. I don't know. Where do you go? Right. And you're going to say oh, there was a handshake agreement between two people who no longer have a hand. Like, (laughs) (laughs) R.I.P. I (laughs) I said, there's no one to validate your story. And I'm like, who who owns that land now? Like that other piece of land? He's like, oh, I don't know. Like it's already down to like the grandkids and the grandkids live all over the world. And like they don't they don't live out here. It's like it's like forgotten, basically. It's a forgotten piece of land. Like, so how do you contact these people? And be like, oh, your bizavu <laughs> told my my granddaddy <laughs> I could have this house over here. Does your dad have a key to this house? Yes, he Whatever. has a key. He has been fixing it up over the years. And every time he goes out there every year, he has to bushwhack the bamboo from the immediate area so that it doesn't overtake the house. Yeah. And so I'm like, you got to get like squatters rights at a minimum to like, I've been maintaining this house for the past 40 years. (laughs) And it's livable. When I went 20 years ago, it was just like a a concrete. Okay. There was Mm -hmm. no bathroom. There was nothing. But now they've put a bathroom in it. And I think it might have electricity. Maybe. Maybe not. Maybe solar. I don't don't, don't know what the situation is. I've been there. But it's not. Like, I don't know that I would stay a night there, but oh, okay. it's more of like a, maybe you day trip there. They're, they're trying to set it up so that you could stay there, but it's, there's no amenities. <laughs> there's no amenities. <laughs> it's a little cottage. It's like a beach cottage in the mountain at the waterfront there. It sounds lovely, though. You have to hike up to it. Like, you can't drive to it. You have to hike oh, like, with a hiking okay. stick to get up to this little cottage. But. You just need to get the paperwork squared away. Nobody knows who owns this house. <laughs> so it's about that time. Thanks for listening. If you're enjoying our podcast, please just give us a review on whatever platform you're using to listen to us. You can also visit our website. It's folk and fad. 
folkandfad.com. And you can also send us an email, mail at folkandfad.com. And for Instagram, you can follow us at underscore it's called culture. 